Well, good morning. Will you please pray with me? Now, Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you. Amen. So as you can see, we're in the middle of a sermon series called The Game of Life. Um, If you've been coming, you'll remember that in week one, we looked at what it means life to the full. What does it mean to live life to the full? And we saw this is only possible when we live in Christ Jesus, when we live life in relationship with him. In week two, we looked at another important part of our life, one we spend a lot of time doing, which is our work, be that in the workplace or in the home. And we saw that even our work is an opportunity to worship God. It's a way that we can give him praise and honor. And last week, I spoke about how we're created by God, not just to work, but to play, and that our play restores and it recreates us. Well, this week, we come to the related area of rest, rest. And it seems more than coincidental that we come to this topic in a week where we had a mandatory evacuation, or for many people, what turned into a hurricane, right? Suddenly, rest, in a sense, was forced upon many of us. Not everyone. One of my neighbors works for Berkeley County Electric, so he had a very full week. But for most of us, downtime was forced upon us. And some of us love that. We love having all this extra time, don't we? While others of us are just not quite sure, what are we to do? How are we going to spend all this time? Are we just going to sit there twiddling our thumbs or something? And perhaps it's because we're a nation of workaholics who define ourselves by our success in our vocation, be that as a school student or be that someone in the workplace. Recent studies, though, have found a number of important things about rest. First of all, rest reduces stress. However, a recent CDC publication stated that stress levels at work are higher than ever in the United States, and that healthcare expenditures are nearly 50% greater for workers who report high levels of stress. Number two, resting from your work on a regular basis reduces inflammation and the risk of heart disease, and also it boosts your immune system. But chronic stress depresses your immune system. Adequate sleep and exercise are two of four essentials of boosting your immune system. So we need to rest if we're going to stay healthy. Thirdly, your physical or your physically active rest adds years to your life. Results of studies suggest that a higher amount of daily total sitting time associates with all-cause mortality, particularly among inactive adults. Number four, taking regular time away from work also restores mental energy. Recent studies showed that people who don't know how to detach from work during their off time experience increased exhaustion over the course of one year and are less resilient in the face of stressful work conditions. And then finally, number five, you're also more productive and more focused when you rest. It might seem counterintuitive, but data from the OECD shows that working more hours means less productivity. Working more hours means less productivity. Did you know the most productive countries in the world are Germany and France, where each country mandates at least 30 days of vacation? Workers in the U.S. who have no law requiring paid time off are the third most productive, and only about 25% of Americans take their full allotment of vacation time. Now, we don't just have to take the word of these studies. We can also take the word of God. God created us, and he understands us best. And since creation itself, he's provided a remedy for our busyness. He's given us the gift of Sabbath rest. 
So today we're going to look at the idea of rest. Why should we do it? How should we do it? And what should it look like? So let's turn to our scripture readings for today. You can find them on the scripture sheet right there and see what we can learn. First of all, why does God tell us to rest? Well, taking rest is a priority for God from the very beginning. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, we read, And so the whole universe was completed by the seventh day. God finished what he'd been doing and stopped working. He blessed the seventh day and set it apart as a special day, because by that day he had completed his creation and stopped working. It's clear that for God, Sabbath rest is a break from work. It's a rest from our vocation. It's a call to do something other. And in God's eyes, it's not an optional extra. You know, it makes it into his top 10, the Ten Commandments. In Exodus 20, it says, Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The sense that's given here is that if God can create the whole universe in six days and then take a break, we can do our work in six days and take a break also, right? This is a blessed and special day set apart for the Lord that restores us. It rejuvenates us, and it reminds us, as we heard last week, of our need to play, our need to be recreated. Now, the problem is that many of us believe the lie that the universe revolves around us. It needs us. It relies upon us. The world cannot function without us. Therefore, we cannot and we will not just stop. Just won't do it. But God's command to rest reminds us who's really in control. That we're not God and that's okay. And when we don't Sabbath, when we don't rest, what we're saying is either consciously or unconsciously is that we don't trust him to be in control, that we don't believe he will provide the time or the means for us to live if we don't use every waking hour for work. Kevin DeYoung, in his excellent book, Crazy Busy, uh, writes this, God gave us Sabbath as a gift. It's an island of get-to in a sea of have-to. He also offers us Sabbath as a test. It's an opportunity to trust God's work more than our own. Sabbath rest, then, is a gift. It's a gift to us. But it's also a test of our faith in God. Do we truly believe that he will provide enough time for me? And it's hard to receive this gift, isn't it? Because like much of discipleship, it goes against the grain of our culture that is 24-7, constantly moving. But when we receive it, we grow in our love for him. And more than that, when we rest, as our epistle reading from Hebrews alludes to, it reminds us of the eternal rest that we will one day experience if we strive and apply ourselves diligently to the journey ahead. As one commentator puts it, this is God's rich gift to the faithful and obedient pilgrim at the end of his days when he ceases from his labors as God did from his. Yes, we can experience something of this kind of rest right here on this earth right now. But one day in the new heavens and the new earth, we will experience it in all of its fullness. And that is good news. So then, how should we rest? 
Well, for many of us who grew up in the church, I don't know if this, it was like this for you, but when we think of rest, and we think of Sabbath rest in particular, it probably conjures images of long, boring church services and long, dull afternoons doing very little because even to play cards or something like that, to kick a soccer ball would be a sin in itself, right? And this was how many churches spent their, Sunday or, uh, their Sundays for centuries. And I think they missed the point. I like how the Jewish rabbi Abraham Heschel puts it. He says, The Sabbath is a day for the sake of life. Man is not a beast of burden, and the Sabbath is not for the purpose of enhancing efficiency of his work. The Sabbath is not for the weekdays. The weekdays are for the sake of the Sabbath. It is not an interlude, but it is the climax of living. Sabbath is the climax of living. It's a really different way of thinking, isn't it, when we stop and think about it that way? One that can't be any further from the Sabbaths of our youth. But how do we experience Sabbath as this climax of living? Well, according to today's Old Testament reading, Isaiah 58, the Sabbath is to be a delight and a joy, and those who observe it will find joy. In the Old Testament, the joyous nature of the Sabbath is reflected in, among other things, the Jewish tradition of eating richly which derives from its inclusion in the list of festivals of the Lord, the prohibition of fasting, and the forbidding of outward expressions of grief and mourning. It's also given to the Jews as a time of worship, with prayers set at home and community gatherings in the synagogue. It was a day to remember the goodness of the Lord and to renew their commitment to him. In the New Testament, we see this continue. The first Christians would gather on the first day of the week, Sunday, because it was the day that Jesus had risen from the dead, and they would worship together. And although Paul isn't explicit about keeping the Sabbath, it's part of God's moral law. And as such, it's implicit in his writing that new believers should keep the Sabbath. But as Jesus, reveal, uh, Jesus reveals, it needs to be kept in the right spirit. For example, if we can't heal or we can't show compassion on the Sabbath, then it's not a true Sabbath. It just becomes religion for religion's sake, just keeping the rules, if you will. No, Jesus says Sabbath was made for mankind, not mankind for the Sabbath. Therefore, in taking Sabbath rest, in taking any form of rest, we need to remember that people still matter more than the rules we have. So, What does godly rest look like then? Well, rest will be different for each of us. But for all of us, it should include the discipline of Sabbath. However, it's worth remembering that the Sabbath won't be on the same day or the same 24-hour period for all people. Christians have typically chosen Sunday as their Sabbath and not the Jewish Sabbath of sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. However, many people work shift patterns where Sundays are not a day of rest. And I must admit that much as I love you all, I don't find Sunday particularly restful. Therefore, I take my Sabbath rest on Monday to recover. Second, if Sabbath is about rejuvenation and restoration of our souls, which it is, then it needs to incorporate something that brings us joy. And it should be a break from those things that we find mentally, physically, and emotionally draining. Now, for some of this, this will mean taking a break from technology. Yes, a break from technology, that little ding that keeps going off all day long, right? Taking a break from it, perhaps turning off your phone, at least putting it on silent, maybe not checking your work email on your day off, 
Maybe not even turning on the television with its constant noise and images coming at you rapidly in that 24-hour news cycle, always trying to increase the stress in your life. Instead, we might stop and read a book. We might do some artwork, something creative, play some music. We might take a walk. We might go on a run. We might play some sports. Just rest. For some of us, this will mean not cooking or cleaning or doing the laundry for a day. Maybe we'll go out to eat for a change or have someone else do the cooking. Maybe we'll be given the chance to have a nap. Maybe we'll just sit and watch a movie. For some of us, this will mean not working in the office or on our laptop that we can bring home, right? Or doing our homework. That's for the kids out there. Instead, we might spend time playing with our children or our grandchildren or our friends. We might do some gardening or we might go to the pool. And if at all possible, it should always include the rhythm of worship. Please hear this. If your Sabbath is on a Sunday, then each Sunday you should worship with the church, the body of Christ, your church family, the people who are closest to you. Make it a part of your rhythm of Sabbath, not just another leisure choice among many. Shall we do this or shall we go to church today? Make your church family priority. And if it's not on a Sunday, then find a way to spend time with the Lord in prayer studying his word, enjoying his creation. After all, I think that's what he did on the seventh day, right? He looked around and he saw that it was good and he enjoyed it. Again, Abraham Heschel writes this, to observe the seventh day does not mean merely to obey or to conform to the strictness of a divine command. To observe is to celebrate the creation of the world and to create the seventh day all over again, the majesty of holiness in time, a day of rest, a day of freedom. But godly rest is something we should seek to incorporate throughout our week too. And by that, I don't mean binge watching the latest show on Netflix or surfing the web endlessly on our smartphones for hours and hours or endlessly checking social media. I don't think those things are actually restful for us. We need to find moments during our day when we can rest for a moment. Maybe it will mean not checking our phone at every single dead moment. You know, the checkout line, the school door, the playground, a work break. Or not responding to work emails and texts after hours. Maybe it will mean turning off the news radio in our car. Or not always having the TV on in the background in our house. Don't try and fill every dead moment with noise and sound. And maybe as we talked about last week, it will mean playing a little bit more, with our kids, with our grandkids, with our friends. What it will mean is saying no to some good things that are making us busy. Yes, even that second or third sport that your child just has to play. I once heard that busy is actually an acronym for being under Satan's yoke. Being under Satan's yoke. There's nothing more that the enemy likes to do than to distract us with seemingly good things that just make us busy. As we come to a close, I'm aware that for some of you, you're just thinking, there is no way I can do this, right? <laughs> there is no way, Jonathan. Some of the parents, some of you who are thinking or think about the two or three jobs that you have to work just to make ends meet. Some of the students who have been giving a lot of schoolwork right now, you're probably thinking, you just don't understand. And this just feels like one more task you are giving me to accomplish. But I think I do understand a little bit, you know. I'm a parent. 
I have worked more than one job at a time, and the job that I do now is pretty endless. I could work 24-7 if I wanted to. There's always more that can be done. And I've been a student with too much work as well. But more importantly, God understands, okay? He understands. Remember his grace and that he was the one who said that Sabbath was made for mankind and not mankind for the Sabbath. But you know, what if you tried this? What if you really tried it? What if you found a way to do this? It'll take some work to get there, right? But I believe it's possible for each one of us. Listen to what Kevin Young says. We all know we need rest from work, right? But we don't realize we have to work hard just to rest. We have to plan for breaks. We have to schedule time to be unscheduled. That's the way life is for most of us. Scattered, frantic, boundaryless busyness comes naturally. The rhythms of work and rest require planning. Are you willing to not just let life happen to you? It may require laying down your pride for one. You see, often our lack of rest and our busyness, our unwillingness to take a Sabbath, has more to do with our pride than it does with our schedules. Perhaps it's because we're people pleasers. just want to please the people around us, our bosses or even our children perhaps. Or maybe it's because we're driven to prove ourselves, seeking the affirmation that we never found in our parents. Or perhaps we're perfectionists who cannot stop for fear of failure. Or maybe we just overestimate our own importance, right? Whatever the reason we can't rest, it all comes down to our need to trust God more. As someone put it, we won't say no to more craziness until we can say yes to more Jesus. We won't say no to more craziness until we can say yes to more Jesus. And that's really just a paraphrase of the famous saying by St. Augustine, who said, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. Have you found your rest in Jesus, the one who offers eternal rest to all who would repent and follow him? It may be that today you need to begin right here, right now. And for those of us who've already done this, perhaps it's time to trust him a little bit more. Jesus put it best in our gospel reading today in Matthew, didn't he? But I want to read it from a slightly different translation. This is from Eugene Peterson's paraphrase, The Message. Matthew uh, says this. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Real rest, like real life, is found only in Jesus Christ. And not in a works-based, guilt-laden type of religiosity, but in a faith-based, grace-filled type of freedom. Not an I have to but an I-get-to kind of relationship with the God who loves us more than we could ever imagine. Will you give him your burdens and your concerns today and enter into his rest, living by his rhythm and not the world's? You know, it may be as hard as you think it's going to be, but in his strength, it can be done. 
want to pray for us, and then after I finish praying, we're going to just watch a video of a, a song that's particularly struck me as I've been preparing for this. Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, move in our hearts. Strengthen us, Lord God, to be people who can lay down the busyness and the worries and the concerns that drive us to be a people who do not stop, who do not rest. Help us to be willing to to plan to be unscheduled, that we can truly rest in you, that we can be restored and rejuvenated, and that we can be recreated, Lord. Lord, that we don't just forget what you have said through your word, even this morning, as you've been speaking to our hearts, that it won't be forgotten by 12 o'clock today as we enter back into the busyness and just kind of say, Lord, that wasn't you. That really wasn't you. I've got to do these things. Would you help us to put into practice what you're saying to us today, to trust in you and to trust in your strength? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.